Volume Two, Chapter Twenty Five of Gwen Wynn. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. Gwen Wynn, A Romance of the Wild by Main Reed. Volume Two, Chapter Twenty Five a plentiful correspondence if captain ryecroft's sudden departure from harfordshire brought suspicion upon him his reappearance goes far to remove it for that this is voluntary soon becomes known the returned policeman has communicated the fact to his fellow professionals it is by them further disseminated among the people assembled outside from the same source other information is obtained in favour of the man they have been so rashly and gravely accusing the time of his starting off the mode of making his journey without any attempt to conceal his route of travel or cover his tracks instead leaving them so marked that any messenger even the simplest might have followed and found him only a fool fleeing from justice would have so fled or one seeking to escape punishment for some trivial offence but not a man guilty of murder besides is he not back there come of his own accord to confront his accusers if any there still be so runs the reasoning throughout the crowd on the carriage sweep with the gentleman inside the house equally complete is the revolution of sentiment in his favour for after their first violent outburst of grief young shenstone in a few whispered words makes known to them the particulars of his expedition to boulogne with that interview in the house of major mahon himself convinced of his rival's innocence he urges his conviction on the others but before their eyes is a sight almost confirmatory of it that look of concentrated anguish in captain ryecroft's eye cannot be counterfeit a soldier who sheds tears could not be an assassin and as he stands in bent attitude leaning over the table on which lies the corpse tears are seen stealing down his cheeks while his bosom rises and falls in quick convulsive heaving shenstone is himself very similarly affected and the bystanders beholding them are convinced that in whatever way gwendolen wynne may have come by her death the one is innocent of it as the other for all justice requires that the accusations already made or menaced against captain ryecroft be cleared up indeed he himself demands this for he is aware of the rumours that have been abroad about him on this account he is called upon by the coroner to state what he knows concerning the melancholy subject of their inquiry but first george shenstone is examined as it were by way of skirmish and to approach in a manner delicate as possible the man mainly though doubtingly accused the baronet's son beginning with the night of the ball the fatal night tells how he danced repeatedly with miss wynne between two sets walked out with her over the lawn stopped and stood for some time under a certain tree where in conversation she made known to him the fact of her being betrothed 
by showing him the engagement ring she did not say who gave it but he surmised it to be captain ryecroft was sure of its being he even without the evidence of the engraved initials afterwards observed by him inside it as it has already been identified by others he is only asked to state the circumstances under which he found it which he does telling how he picked it up from the floor of the summer-house but without alluding to his own motives for being there or acting as he has throughout as he is not questioned about these why should he but there are many hearing him who guess them not a few quite comprehending all george shenstone's mad love for miss wynne has been no secret neither his pursuit of her for many long months however hopeless it might have seemed to the initiated his melancholy bearing now which does not escape observation would of itself tell the tale his testimony makes ready the ground for him who is looked upon less in the light of a witness than as one accused by some once more and more than ever so for there are those present who not only were at the ball but noticed that triangular by-play upon which shenstone's tale without his intending it has thrown a sinister light alongside the story of clarisse there seems to have been motive almost enough for murder an engagement angrily broken off an actual quarrel gwendoline wynne never afterwards seen alive that quarrel too by the water's edge on a cliff at whose base her body has been found strange altogether improbable that she should have drowned herself far easier to believe that he her fiancé in a moment of mad headlong passion prompted by fell jealousy had hurled her over the high bank against this returned current of adverse sentiment captain ryecroft is called upon to give his account and state all he knows what he will say is weighted with heavy consequences to himself it may leave him at liberty to depart from the spot voluntarily as he came or be taken from it in custody but he is yet free and so left to tell his tale no one interrupting and without circumlocution he tells it concealing naught that may be needed for its comprehension not even his delicate relations to the unfortunate lady he confesses his love his proposal of marriage its acceptance the bestowal of the ring his jealousy and its cause the ebullition of angry words between him and his betrothed the so-called quarrel her returning the ring with the way and why he did not take it back because at that painful crisis he neither thought of not cared for such a trifle then parting with and leaving her within the pavilion he hastened away to his boat and was rowed off but while passing upstream he again caught sight of her still standing in the summer-house apparently leaning upon and looking over its baluster rail his boat moving on and trees coming between he no more saw her but soon after heard a cry his waterman as well startling both 
it is a new statement in evidence which startles those listening to him he could not comprehend and cannot explain it though now knowing it must have been the voice of gwendolyn wynne perhaps her last utterance in life he had commanded his boatman to hold way and they dropped back downstream again to get within sight of the summer-house but then to see it dark and to all appearance deserted afterwards he proceeded home to his hotel there to sit up for the remainder of the night packing and otherwise preparing for his journey of itself a consequence of the angry parting with his betrothed and the pledge so slightingly returned in the morning he wrote to her directing the letter to be dropped into the post-office which he knew to have been done before his leaving the hotel for the railway station has any letter reached Langoran court inquires the coroner turning from the witness and putting the question in a general way i mean for miss wynne since the night of that ball the butler present stepping forward answers in the affirmative saying there are a good many for miss gwen since some almost coming in every post although there is or was but one miss gwen wynne at langoran the head servant as the others from habit calls her miss gwen speaking of her as if she were still alive it is your place to look after the letters i believe yes i attend to that what have you done with those addressed to miss wynne i gave them to gibbons miss gwynne's lady's maid let gibbons be called again directs the coroner the girl is brought in the second time having been already examined at some length and as before confessing her neglect of duty mr williams proceeds the examiner gave you some letters for your late mistress what have you done with them i took them upstairs to miss gwen's room are they there still yes on the dressing-table where she always had the letters left for her be good enough to bring them down here bring all another pause in the proceedings while gibbons is off after the now posthumous correspondence of the deceased lady during which whisperings are interchanged between the coroner and jurymen asking questions of one another they relate to a circumstance seeming strange that nothing has been said about these letters before at least to those engaged in the investigation the explanation however is given a reason evident and easily understood they have seen the state of mind in which the two ladies of the establishment are miss linton almost beside herself eleanor lees not far from the same in the excitement of the occurrences neither has given thought to letters even having forgotten the one which so occupied their attention on that day when gwynne was missed from her seat at the breakfast-table it might not have been seen by them then but for gibbons not being in the way to take it upstairs as usual these facts or rather deductions are informal and discussed while the maid is absent on her errand she is gone but for a few seconds returning waiter in hand with a pile of letters upon it which she presents in the orthodox fashion counted there are more than a dozen of them the deceased lady having largely corresponded 
a general favourite to say nothing of her youth beauty and riches she had friends far and near and as the butler had stated letters coming by almost every post that but once a day however langoran lying far from a postal town and having but one daily delivery those upon the tray are from ladies as can be told by the delicate angular chirography all except two that show a rounder and bolder hand in the presence of her to whom they were addressed now speechless and unprotesting no breach of confidence to open them one after another their envelopes are torn off and they are submitted to the jury those of the lady correspondents first not to be deliberately read but only glanced at to see if they contain aught relating to the matter in hand still it takes time and would more were they all of the same pattern double sheets with the script crossed and full to the four corners fortunately but a few of them are thus prolix and puzzling the greater number being notes about the late ball birthday congratulations invitations to at-homes dinner parties and such like recognizing their character and that they have no relation to the subject of inquiry the jurymen pass them through their fingers speedily as possible and then turn with greater expectancy to the two in masculine handwriting these the coroner has meanwhile opened and read to himself finding one signed george shenstone the other vivian rycroft nobody present is surprised to hear that one of the letters is rycroft's they have been expecting it so but not that the other is from the son of sir george shenstone a word however from the young man himself explains how it came there leaving the epistle to tell his own tale for as both undoubtedly bear upon the matter of inquiry the coroner has directed both to be read aloud whether by chance or otherwise that of shenstone is taken first it is headed ormston hall four a m après le ball the date thus oddly indicated seems to tell of the writer being in better spirits than might have been expected just at that time possibly from still lingering belief that all is not yet hopeless with him something of the same runs through the tone of his letter if not its contents which are dear gwen i've got home but can't turn in without writing you a word to say that however sad i feel at what you've told me and sad i am god knows if you think i shouldn't come near you any more and from what i noticed last night perhaps i ought not only say so and i will not your slightest word will be a command to one who though no longer hoping to have your hand will still hope and pray for your happiness that one is yours devotedly if despairingly george shenstone p s do not take the trouble of writing an answer i would rather get it from your lips and that you may have the opportunity of so giving it i will call at the court in the afternoon then you can say whether it is to be my last visit there g s the writer present and listening bravely bears himself it is a terrible infliction nevertheless 
having his love secret thus revealed his heart as it were laid open before all the world but he is too sad to feel it now and makes no remark save a word or two explanatory in answer to questions from the coroner nor are there any comments made upon the letter itself all are too anxious as to the contents of that other bearing the signature of the man who is to most of them a stranger it carries the address of the hotel in which he has been all summer sojourning and its date is only an hour or two later than that of shenstone's no doubt at the selfsame moment the two men were pondering upon the words they intended writing to gwendoline wynne she who now can never read them very different in spirit are their epistles unlike as the men themselves but so too are the circumstances that dictated them that of ryecroft reads thus gwendoline while you are reading this i shall be on my way to london where i shall stay to receive your answer if you think it worth while to give one after parting as we've done possibly you will not when you so scornfully cast away that little love token it told me a tale i may say a bitter one that you never really regarded the gift nor cared for the giver is that true gwendolyn if not and i'm wronging you may god forgive me and i would crave your forgiveness entreat you to let me replace the ring upon your finger but if true and you know best then you can take it up supposing it is still upon the floor where you flung it fling it into the river and forget him who gave it vivian ryecroft to this half-doubting half-defiant epistle there is also a postscript i shall be at the langham hotel london till to-morrow noon where your answer if any will reach me should none come i shall conclude that all is ended between us and henceforth you will neither need nor desire to know my address we are the contents of the letter make a vivid impression on all present its tone of earnestness almost anger could not be assumed or pretended beyond doubt it was written under the circumstances stated and taken in conjunction with the writer's statement of other events given in such a clear straightforward manner there is again complete revulsion of feeling in his favour and once more a full belief in his innocence which questioning him by cross-examination fails to shake instead strengthens and when at length having given explanation of everything he is permitted to take his place among the spectators and mourners it is with little fear of being dragged away from Langoran court in the character of a criminal end of chapter twenty five read by lars rolander